know. This is my Bible. It is God speaking to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I open my heart today to hear God speak a word that will change my life forever. Did I miss something else? No, I think I'm good. So Heavenly Father, we come humbly before you this morning, God. There's a a lot of things on our minds always, Lord. I don't know, we've entered the Christmas season and somehow it can become very rushed and, and busy and, and a lot of task lists. So God, we just empty ourselves right now. We come quietly before you, God, knowing that you are the giver of life, true life and abundant life. And we need your refreshing and your answers. And I, I know I just need your centering for what you want to do in my life personally and how to order my time and those things, God. So we just come into the house of God. It says in Mark 2 that you're in the house. So we're here to meet with you. We're here to seek you with all our hearts. Speak, Lord Jesus. I pray that I would just fade out. Your word would go forth and be tailor-made for every person here, your children that need to hear from you. Give direction, Lord. Give comfort. Give peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You know, um, I listened to a little thing on YouTube this week by a, a pretty famous worship leader out of Hillsong Church. And she was sharing that when she was a young girl, she went to a Salvation Army church in New Zealand. And in this church, they had, you know, t the whole stage and everything. And then off to the right of the stage, they had this place called the Mercy Seat. It was just a little chair off to the side of the stage, and they called it the mercy seat. And any time during the service, you could go forward and sit in the mercy seat and do business with God. You know, the Bible says in Exodus 25, 22, it declares about the mercy seat being on top of the Ark of the Covenant. And this is the very place, the mercy seat, it says, God declares, there I will meet you. I'll meet you in the mercy seat. And what she realized is that she would go to the mercy seat. And in the mercy seat, she would, God would deal with her. God would comfort her in the mercy seat. And she would be um, challenged in the mercy seat. She would be corrected in the mercy seat. God would meet her there. And she would wrestle in the mercy seat. She would describe wrestling with God in the mercy seat. You know, God is so much more than you and I know. He is so much more than you and I know. Rich Mullins said this. He said, God will bloody your nose and then offer you a ride home on his bicycle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's that kid that will like get into it with you, but then like, let me take you home on my bike. You know, it describes him as the lion and the lamb. And that's not exactly the true, but he's like this mighty conqueror. But then he was slain for you and I. He is so much more than you and I know. And you can find him in the mercy seat. You know what you realize is the mercy seat is not just in the sanctuary. It's in your bedroom. It's in your car. It's any place where God says, I'm going to meet you there. And I want to speak to you. And I want to talk to you about some things. And you will wrestle in the mercy seat. Has anyone wrestled God? We're going to talk this morning about wrestling with God and the mercy seat. I have three boys. I've said that. And one girl and girls are different. Maybe you, I don't know, but I have three sons and they will continually, they will take their shirts off and they'll call it shirts on skins. 
and some of the kids are skins because they're the ones with the shirts off, and some have shirts on, and they will go at it, whether it's baseball or football, and they get into it, skin on skin, rough contact. It's dangerous sometimes. We have a, I have a cabinet with like every type of Neosporin. I've got Band-Aids, you name it. You need it, you come to my house. I am prepared because we got some skin on skin. We have some wrestlers in the family that like to get at it. Often before we wrestle with God, you and I, we have our ideas of what progress is going to look like when we get with God and he's going to raise us up and do this or that. We're going to look at the story of Jacob, who it says wrestled with God. God is breaking new ground in hearts today. Okay, I want to tell you that your heart needs some new ground broken. And some of you may have understanding this morning of why you've been wrestling you're going to understand, why has it been hard? Why have I been wrestling with God or in this area of my life? God is going to bring understanding to you this morning. God says in his word, when we seek him with all our hearts, we will find him. So let's lean in this morning with expectant hearts to hear from God on high. Amen. We are in Genesis chapter 32. We're going to be in verse 22, but before that, I want to give you a little context of this story. Jacob and Esau were brothers, twins, it says. They were coming out of the womb, and it says Jacob grabbed the heel of his brother Esau. That's a wrestling move. Any wrestlers know? From the womb, this guy was trying to trip him up, his brother. It says that Esau had his dad's favor, but Jacob was favored by his mom. On his deathbed, Their father, Isaac, was the son of Abraham. On his deathbed, Isaac asked Esau to go out and kill some wild game for him. But while Esau was out hunting because his dad asked him to, Jacob and their mom devised a scheme. And Jacob tricked their father into giving Jacob the blessing of a double inheritance that really belonged to Esau. So you can see this is some conflict, right? So we got these twin brothers, and Jacob tricked the father into giving Jacob the blessing. So Esau came back and was angry and mad and frustrated and vowed at that point to kill his brother Jacob. So Jacob fled, as you and I would, you know. They lived apart, these brothers, for many years. And then one day, Jacob decided he was going to return home and try and make peace with his brother Esau. We're going to read in verse 6 of Genesis 32. But Jacob knew his brother was not going to be okay with this. And this was some fear welling up in Jacob's heart about this. It says in verse six, and the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau and he is coming to meet you. And there are 400 men with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people who were with him and the flocks and the herds and camels into two camps thinking if Esau comes to the one camp and attacks, then the camp that is left will escape. And Jacob, 
Jacob said to God, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred that I may do you good. God told him to go back. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff, I crossed the Jordan and now I have become two camps. And he cries out, please, Deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he may come and attack me, the mothers with the children. But you said, he's saying to God, you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Genesis 32 describes, it goes on to describe it. You can see Jacob's at a crossroads. He's got deep fear in his heart and he's afraid, but he's feeling like, but God, you made these promises, but he's afraid and distressed. And then it describes in Genesis 32, a midnight wild narrative detailing of how Jacob went in to wrestle and take God in a wrestling match. There are no techniques No techniques to win this divine wrestling match when God gets in there. Quick hands, strong arms cannot hold. Jacob learned that too. He came out of this wrestling match very different. Let's read in chapter 32, verse 22. That same night, he arose, this is Jacob, and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else he had. He sent them ahead of him. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled him. He wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you asked my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this very day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh fat that is on the hip of the socket because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. This is what progress looks like for you and I. Jacob goes into the wrestling match with God, a little bit of a sly, conniving kind of guy. He was a slickster. It said, you know, even when he was coming out of the womb, he's grabbing the heel of his brother to trip him up. That's his name. Jacob means that. He goes into the wrestling match one way, and it says he came out with a permanent limp, a new name, and a new destiny after that. This is what progress looks like. Jacob had always used, up to this point, his manipulation, his sly and finesse to advance. The name Jacob also means supplanter, the person who trips the other guy up in a competition and knows how to get the advantage by conniving. I'm sorry if you've named your son Jacob. 
No, we have a nephew named Jacob. He is precious. He's a sweetheart. But it says this guy, this Jacob knew how to trip people up and gain advantage in his life by conniving and manipulating. And he goes in and he wrestles with God and he comes out with a new destiny and a new name. God renamed him Israel which means prince who rules with God. Jacob wrestled with God and he walked with a limp forever thereafter. Pastor Jack Hayford, you know, he's my favorite. He wrote this, there comes a time when what breaks through to the new dimension of your life is not a physical crippledness, but a loss of dependence upon your own style, your own finesse, your own energies, but a dependence that comes on God because of what he's doing in your life. Jacob, who was all smooth, you could imagine him being like this kind of a guy, right? And now permanently walks with a limp. And his wound became his blessing. And oftentimes you and I, we get the bloody nose, we get, but we get the ride home on the bicycle, you know? But God is up to transformation in your life. And sometimes what will feel like a blessing will come like a wound. You ever been there? You're like, why is this hurting, but why am I so awakened to what you're doing in my life, God, because of this pain? That's Jacob. God wrestled him, and he couldn't take him out, so he dislocated his hip, and forever that guy walked with a limp, but he got a new name. He was called Israel. This is the key. Jesus wants to breathe new life into us, give you a new name, do a new thing in your heart. You know, when God changed Abram's name to Abraham, you could almost see the only thing that was added to his new name was breath. Abram, Abraham, it's breath. God breathed his breath. His new life came with breath, the breath of God. God wants to expand you and I. He will breathe on you. He will call you new things. When Jacob's name changed, he also changed, and this is very key, his perception of himself changed. You know, up to this point, every time Jacob mentioned God, he referred to God. It says in Genesis 28, 13, I am Yahweh, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. He doesn't describe him as his God. He said in Genesis 32, 9, O God of my grandfather Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, O Lord. Yet again, he doesn't say, you're my God. And then it says in Genesis 31, 42, if the God of my father, the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac had not been with me, certainly now you would have sent me off empty-handed. God was the God of Abraham. God was the God of Isaac. But until Jacob wrestled with God for himself, it did not describe him as the God of Israel. But then it does, until this divine, skin to skin, that's, that's intimate wrestling. You're getting up in someone's face. God wants that. When he's wrestling with us on a matter, you're, he, it's close. It's physical, skin to skin, breath to breath. Until that moment when he got in there with uh, Jacob, he had never called him his God. But then it says in Genesis 33:20, 20, after Israel wrestled God, he set up an altar and there he called it God, my God, the God of Israel. 
There is something that changed. Perspective changed for Jacob after he wrestled with God. He knew, you're not only the God of my father. You're not only the God of my grandfather. You're my God. And something changed in his life. It reminds me of the story of Job. After Job literally loses everything, his kids, his health, spending hours and hours arguing with God, finally he sees things from God's perspective. He says in Job 42.5, I had heard rumors about you, but now my eyes have seen you. I had heard rumors about you, but now my eyes have seen you. Something happened. The name of the place where Jacob wrestled with God was named Peniel. For I have seen God face to face. Can you imagine him naming the place that after he wrestled with God? This conniving, manipulative, distressed and afraid man wrestles with God and comes out with a wound, but a new destiny and a new name. Amen? A.W. Tozer writes this, the reason why so many of us are still troubled, still seeking, still making little forward progress is because we haven't yet come to the end of ourselves. We haven't yet come to the very end of ourselves. We are maintaining control and we are giving God orders. Do I have any people in the house of God that are trying to give God their lists? You know what I mean? Like you start out your day, if you could just do this, And if you could just do this, and if you would only respond in this way, then everything would be good. And God would say, would you get to the mercy seat? We got to wrestle out some things because I think you've forgotten who I am. I am God. I am your God. I see you. I have not forgotten you. You need to get in and wrestle a little bit. Or maybe you need to cry out. The mercy seat awaits you. It says, there you will seek me and you will find me and he will speak to you. The wrestling is critical. It's so important. I have wrestled with God. Have you wrestled with God? It's okay. It's okay. We're not like a move of God that says you can't wrestle and ask questions and cry out. That's lamenting. It's not complaining. There's a difference between lamenting and complaining. Lamenting, you can come before the Lord and say, it's not supposed to be this way. I don't understand this, but you know what's going to happen? You're going to get in with him and he's going to give you a new perspective. And you get in his presence and you think you're worried about something and he's talking to you about something totally different. And you'll come out renamed, new perspective. You'll see God enthroned and you not. Sometimes when I worship, that's what I do. I just like lift my heads and I just imagine him enthroned, enthroned before. I see the train of his robe and it fills the temple with glory. I just lift him high. A lot of times when I used to have my quiet times in our old house, I would sit in one of the kids' chairs, like physically. That mercy seat was little and low very low. It almost like I had to see myself like a kid, like, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. I have been bossing you around for weeks. I'm getting low again. I'm coming. I'm emptying. I'm at the end of myself. I only am limited in my mind. We can only see right now sometimes that God says he sees the beginning and the end. Don't you want to get with him Gather his perspective on what he's doing in your midst. Getting into God's face is what people fear most. We really do. Well, what what is he going to expose in me? Is he going to be like aggressive and down on me? 
Well, he might bloody your nose a little bit, but he'll offer you a ride home. He is so much more than we can fully understand. He is so wonderful and so good, and you want to be with him. Getting into God's face is what people fear most, but it's what God designs for our good and for our very survival. Theologian and Christian apologist Timothy Keller says it best. God has to wrestle us into a transformed life rather than comfort us into one. Sometimes the transformational life is a wrestling match, and sometimes we don't want to go into it. But comfort will not get you to that life. I have a quote that I have up. It says, comfort zones won't keep your life safe. They keep your life small. Comfort zone. And I have, I bought property in the comfort zone. So if you guys are, I'm speaking to you like I own a condo in the comfort zone. I don't want to sell it. That was my nature. Safety first was my motto. I just want to stay right here where there's enough money in the bank. So there's no needs and I'm just happy and content. And I would make lists as a young like girl in high school. I had lists like, okay, I had of all the things I would do in a given week and I would feel so excited because my friends and I talked to this person and we went here and we, life was just peachy, rose-colored glasses. But I don't live that way anymore because I've wrestled with God about what he really wants out of my life and he's not really concerned about me being comfortable. I hate to break it to you, but our God is holy and we view him more as the lamb than as the lion. And he is very righteous, and he is up to transforming your life. And he's more concerned about your transformation than your comfort. And a wound, he might afflict you with a wound like a dislocated hip, but he will bless your face off, and he will be closer to you than a brother. And the destiny, did you know that every person found by God has a supernatural gift and a calling and a purpose for why he created you? You're not on this earth created by God without a destiny and a purpose. And I feel convicted in my heart that the Rock South County will be about helping you discover that and walking that out. I'm not okay. I'm really not okay. And we're not okay as a leadership if you don't discover that thing for which you were created. And sometimes that thing which you were created for is on the other side of a wrestling match that you don't want to engage in. So you're playing it safe, right? You're just like happy-go-lucky and yes man and yes woman and living like that. And God is beckoning us almost to the mercy seat. You know, it says where they wrestled that there was, it was dusty. God wants to kick up some dust. You might get a little dirty, but you'll come out renamed, new perspective and new destiny. Amen? We, yes, God wants us dependent on him. We saw it with Peter. He came to that point where he was asked by God, who do you say I am? He'd been around Jesus two and a half years and he had never said, you're the Messiah. He knew before, but that day he confessed him. The revelation of his heart came. You're God. You're the Messiah. It's you. And he confessed it. Some of us need to confess. God, you're the Lord of my life. You're really it. I've been acting like you aren't, but I need you and I need you. And I confess you're God. You're the Messiah. You're the hope that I've been longing for. The same with Paul. Paul came to a point where he realized in his life he had a mission, a life, a broadened mission than he was living. Acts 13, this takes place. And quite honestly, before this time, 
Paul's life looks like a ping pong ball, you know, a ping pong ball of circumstances. He's all over the place. He's in Damascus, then Jerusalem, then he's up to Tarsus, then out to the desert. Any people like that? Then Barnabas comes and gets him to Antioch. And it wasn't that he was aimless. He was on a shaping process. And we've been through that where God does that. But then there came a moment for Paul. When it's kind of like a face-to-face kind of moment, you can see God almost like cupping. I do this to my kids. Look in my eyes and repeat after me. I will not hit my brother. No, I'm kidding. But this is my life. God will get you your face in his hands and kind of say, look up at me. And he says, repeat after me. It's a mercy seat kind of moment for Paul. Repeat after me, Paul. I've brought you here. I've brought you here for this mission, for this mission. This is what you're about, Paul. This is what I'm about. Paul had that moment with God. And the Rock South County is here that you and I live face to face. We are enlarging with Christ. We're not shrinking back and letting the world tell us our mission. We are getting in the face of God, which can be terrifying. It can be scary, but you're getting in his face and saying, for what have you created me for? What is my call? Enlarge the place of my life, God. I believe there's missionaries, evangelists, healers, radical men and women of God in this room. And some of you are living it. And some of you are, have yet to en- encompass all the fullness of who God created you to be. I believe we have radical, in our kids department, let's extend our hands right now towards the Rock South County kids. God, we know that there is destiny and calling on the youth and the kids and the babies of this house, God. We know that in our midst, we have great evangelists. We have people with gifts of healing. We have people with gifts of mercy and comfort, God. We declare all of our children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of our children. Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. But some of us need to wrestle in the mercy seat a little more. We need the Lord to breathe on us. We must not settle for less than the Lord's riches and his very best. Yeah, it's, it's powerful. We've been memorizing Isaiah 54. Um, let me see if I can, let me try it. Okay. Enlarge the place of, of your tent. Let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Okay, this is, is that it? Do not hold back. Yes, that's the best. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Do not hold back. Do not hold back. Stretch out, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. I believe this scripture is a promise over this congregation. I believe that as we're coming into 2019, there's an enlargement coming. For me personally, it's my heart. My heart is just expanding for the work of God in this area and in people's lives. So there's an enlargement coming to people. There's business coming in people's hearts. There's fruitfulness financially that is coming to people, but we must get to the mercy seat. We must get before God's presence so he can tell us things, so he can rename us. If you've been living away and dependent on yourself, he's saying, let's get to the end of ourselves so we can really awaken to who we truly are. My personal story, and I share it oftentimes, but is one of wrestling with God. I told you, I love comfort and safety. In fact, the other night I was with a group of our leaders and I told them, I don't feel quite safe anymore. I really don't feel safe at all. And it's so odd for me because being a Christian, you kind of think like, 
That is your safety. And while it says that the Lord is, he's our righteous rock, our high tower, the righteous run into him and they are safe. But I'm telling you, I don't feel safe in the way that my flesh calls safety. I feel out on a limb. I feel stretched. I feel a radical dependence on God. And I wouldn't describe it as safe, but I feel so alive. I feel so at rest. It's like when I lay my head on the pillow at night, I'm not without struggle or wrestling, but I feel a peace in my heart. Like I can finally say, I'm living your will. I'm doing what you asked me to do. And when this opportunity to come and lead this campus with my husband came to us, I said no. Our senior pastor came and said, would you pray about taking the campus there in South Orange County because the current pastor was needed back at our Anaheim campus? And I said, no, I won't. Because <laughs> I was like, Jacob, I wanted what I wanted and I wasn't comfortable and it wasn't in my plan. I had this little plan and maybe you have your plan. This is how my life was going to look. I was going to launch a life coaching business and be cozy in my house and pastoring a local church is not what I had on my list, you know? But I honored our leaders. We believe in being honorable to the leaders that God has placed over us. So I felt if my senior pastor has asked us to pray about this type of leadership, absolutely, I must go before the Lord and pray. And you know what the Lord did? How dare him? <laughs> he has some nerve. He's so picky with me. He said, yes, and I'll be with you. And I said, no, 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 no. I've, we've seen your pastor. It's not easy, Lord. You know what that takes. Do you know? And you guys have arrested our hearts. That's what happens, that your faces are in my prayers at night. And I'm thinking about you and your doctor's appointments. And it was enlarging me. And I was uncomfortable because we're, we want to keep our life small. Do you know what I mean? We want to keep people say that, oh, keep your circle small. But when you walk with Christ, he doesn't want you small. He wants you out of your comfort zone because he wants to be radical with you. He wants to enlarge you. He wants to help you be everything he created you to be. And you cannot find that in the comfort zone. So I said, oh, darn it. <laughs> and I fought with God. Can I do this another way? If you want us to lead and if you want me to teach, which I've been fighting this. I was 17, 18 years old, in a, and I only share this because this is the real stuff. And I realize as leaders, we have to be vulnerable enough that you can relate to us, but know that there's a victory in my life. So I'm not coming in a point of weakness. I come with the, the lion of Judah at my back, the victor we've overcome. But I remember being a young girl and being in speech class in Santa Barbara City College and my speech teacher being like, there is something about you when you stand up and teach. And I said, no way, no, no. She entered me into this contest too. I had to stand before thousands of people and give my speech. I didn't win or anything. I think I came in very last place. And I kind of liked that because I was like, see, I'm not good at this. I'm not supposed to do this. And I was like, kind of thankful. I didn't even place. There was like five of us. I don't even think I got a medal or anything. It was awesome. But what I was saying is it kind of justified me being like, see, I don't have to do that. But you know deep in your heart that he's done something in you, and then you begin to be beckoned into that moment. And I was supposed to be the weekend we were installed here as pastors. I was supposed to be in Brazil teaching the Foursquare Women's International Conference, all of South, I don't know, it was in Brazil, and I didn't go. 
and on the same week, and that would have been fun, you know? You just get to show up on a, on a place and just share a message. You don't have to walk with people or know their stories. You just share, and they treat you real nice, and, and then you go home. And then the same week, and I was installed into this beloved house. And as soon as I said yes and wrestled God, Joel and I began to receive a vision from God for what he's going to do in this area. And I even got this word this week with, was talking with another leader, the word Decapolis, which means 10 cities. And God is expanding, that he's showing us other cities that he's going to give this church to inhabit and bring order and glory to. I mean, it's radical, the revelation that came on the other side of wrestling. But it reminded me, I don't feel safe in it. And if you're looking for safety, you could be missing God because he doesn't come packaged all safe. It reminded me of the quote from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And Aslan is the Christ character. And it says, Aslan is a lion. The lion, the great lion. Ooh, said Susan, I'd thought he was a man. Is he quite safe, she asks. I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Dr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. He's good. And that's where we're at today, where I don't feel quite safe, but he's so good and he's so worth it. Amen. And I believe today under the inspiration of the word of God that there's people that need to spend some time in the mercy seat because we might have been playing it safe. And God is saying, stretch out, come out into the deep. Let's walk on some water. Let's expand to the right and to the left. Let's enlarge the place of our hearts. God wants to do more of that. And when he does more of that in your life, you know what you become for other people? She said it in this. And I didn't write it down. Essentially, your personal enlargement, your wrestling with God could make you impact nationally other people. I'm telling you, one person, you, radically awakened to God, willing to wrestle, willing to be uncomfortable, becomes like a ripple effect of inspiration for everyone you come in contact to. The Bible talks about it. What are we doing here at this church? We're discipling the people here, us, for the people who aren't here. We have a hurting earth. We have people that need to see real people who love Jesus, standing up, worshiping God and following Jesus. Amen. God is faithful to his word. And I want to encourage you. The mercy seat awaits you. And it's not just here in this building. You can do business with God. It just says, there I will meet you. It talks about in Exodus. You could meet him here in the sanctuary. You could meet him in your car. You could meet him in the mudroom like I did in my old house where I would just go find him and get low in that seat. God wants to connect with you. He wants to wrestle you in the dust and give you a new destiny. And you might come out a little bloody, but he'll give you a ride home. He's going to take care of you. He'll be the one to clean you up and speak new life, breathe his breath on you. Abram to Abraham was just breath, the breath of God falling on your life. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, I'm just going to close out just for another minute. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. 
just take a mercy seat moment right here in the house of God. Just quiet your heart before him. want to encourage someone that 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 wrestling that you've been going through wasn't to hold you down but it's that God is trying to bring you into more of what he created you for and everything that we're longing for I talked about it last week it's like I walked through this one door of obedience and it's like a thousand new doors of life opened up to me joy and hope and vision and And just being clean before God and honoring him and, and just, but it's just like just outside of your comfort zone sometimes. So I just pray a deepening of, of boldness and courage. I pray that we wouldn't be limited by time and energy and those things that we excuse ourselves from answering God's call. So Father, I thank you for your precious word this morning. I thank you for your love and grace that you would meet us in the points of our lives and wanting to expand us and take us deeper into your plans, God. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to hearts this morning as we enter this Christmas season. God, I just pray that we would be kind of like mercy seat people that are just found there with you, seeking you and finding you. You're relational. God, you want relationship. You don't just want us to just give a, a little time in the word and, and run out to our day. You just, you want to meet with us, God. Speak to your people, your children this week. Thank you.